0: All right, welcome to Elevate. I've asked a couple of my friends here. They're going to come up and help us out with the uh, ceremonial... Inauguration. Give them a hand, guys. Yeah, somebody started that. I know your, ha- your hands are full of pizza. All right, so I guess you're going to have to, like, put them together. Just don't spill. Please. Please. Okay, on the count of three. One, two three. two, three. Woo! All right, all right. Give them a hand, guys, if you can. You guys are full of pizza and pops and... Thanks for the back row for helping me out with the hand. All right. Okay, so what did you guys think of the Jackbox? Do you think we should do that more often? Yes? No? Lots of, okay, I got a pretty, pretty solid mixed response. Somebody had the idea, I think it was Nora who had the idea, to do it only once a month on pizza nights. That could be a good, oh, is that Jessica? Somebody had the idea. But we could, uh, it was pretty cool, so I liked it a lot. Okay, Last announcement, we have Elevate Friendsgiving this Friday night, <laughs> this Friday night. Okay, today is the due date to register. Today's the due date to register. If you don't sign up by the end of the day, we're going to assume you are not coming. So let's put up the link on the screen. We'll put that up. Okay, go to that website. We'll, le- we'll let that linger for a little while. Go to that website. Register. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a bonfire. We're going to have lots of games. We're going to have dinner. Free dinner. That's always a yes. Free s'mores. Um, I bought a couple glow-in-the-dark frisbees, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Elevate Friendsgiving this Friday night, 6 to 9 p.m. You need to register so we can email you the address and we know how, many, how much food to buy. So, all right. We are in the series called Relationships, and this is actually going to be the final week of the series. Next week, we'll be doing something new. But we have talked about, in the past three weeks, we've talked about the foundation of relationships. We've talked about our relationships with our friends, and we've talked about our relationships with our dates or significant others. So if you had to sum up the past three weeks, you could boil it down to this. Choose your people wisely right? Choose your people wisely. We've had a foundation. We talked about hanging out with friends and hanging out with dates. All those things are things that you choose who you hang out with, right? Those things are things that you are choosing to participate in. Up until this point, we've talked about friends and dates, but tonight we're going to talk about relationships that we don't have very much control over, and it's relationships with those in authority. Relationships with those in authority, those over us, those are leaders, teachers, parents, whatever, those people that are above us that we don't have a lot of choice to be, have a relationship with them or not. And as you can imagine and probably guess, God has quite a bit to say about how to live with those in authority from a kingdom perspective. And before we begin, we're going to just dedicate this night for God and we're going to pray. So if you just pray with me and just, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you are just in this message tonight that you're in us and you're through us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so I think before we begin, we need to define exactly what authority is. And so I put up, I'm going to put up on the screen the top three definitions of authority. And it's this, it's either the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. It's a person or organization having power or control in a particular in in a particular, typically political or administrative sphere, or it's the power to influence others, especially because of one's commanding manner or one's recognized knowledge about something. So based on these definitions, I'm going to need a little bit of participation here. I need you guys to just throw out some answers of who, what, what kind of people are in authority over us. Does anybody know what kind of people are in authority over us? We've got parents, God, classic answer, Let's throw up some more hands. Yeah, government, government. Teachers. teachers. Anybody else? What other? Yeah, principals. principals. Anybody else back there? Police. Yeah, that, that counts. Older siblings. Older siblings. You could you could slip that in if you wanted to. Ourselves. I don't know if you're in your own authority. Jack. Me. Okay. <laughs> in some way, yes. Um, how about how about uh, how about celebrities? How about celebrities, right? It may, they may not be in direct authority over you, but they definitely have a lot of influence, which can bring a sort of authority. Um, as you can see, we have so many relationships with people in authority all around us. And so I've kind of boiled it down to this. Authority, uh, people in authority over us is best described as someone who has either legal, natural, or spiritual command, power, or influence over us. So it's somebody that has legal, natural, or spiritual command, power, or influence over us. And for some of us in this room, we love the idea of having people in authority to take care of things, right? We, like A lot of us here, we, we, like to have the, we like to have the idea that somebody out there is taking care of us. But other of us in this room can struggle with the idea that authority is over us because we either don't like or we don't trust the people In authority. We don't we don't always like or trust the people in authority. And so there are very many different ways we can respond to people in authority. And of course, the Bible has quite a bit to say about that. So if you are if you brought your Bibles tonight, which I think you should, turn to Romans chapter 13. We're gonna hang out in this passage of scripture all night. So turn to Romans chapter 13, and I'm gonna read it and put it on the screen for you guys. And it says this: it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. But if you do wrong, then be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath to the wrongdoer. I know this is a lot of information to take in. We're going to go over it in a bit. And to continue on, it says, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Wow. That is a lot in here. There's a lot to break down in this. So, we'll be again, we'll be hanging out in this passage. If you have your Bible, I really want to encourage you to read along with me. Um, tonight, we're going to be looking at a couple of different things. We're going to be looking at three hard truths that we need to learn about authority. We need to look at our duty as Christians when we're under authority, and then we'll have one last big takeaway. I know it's going to be a lot, so I hope you're taking notes, but let's dive in. We're going to go through the hard truth. Number one is this. The concept of authority is from God. The concept of authority is from God. We're going to look at the first two verses again. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And I'll tell you this. This is one of those verses in particular that I have struggled with in the past. I don't know about anybody else. I've struggled with that verse in the past. It's made me uncomfortable. It's made me rethink some things. It's kind of challenged me, honestly. Because I've looked at this verse, and I thought to myself, if God instituted those authorities— what about evil tyrants? Did God place that person in authority? What about abusive parents? Did God place those people in authority over us? What about people like, you know, like Hitler? Did God place him in authority? Did God specifically put those in authority? And I'll tell you, I struggled with these questions. I didn't know what to do with them. I, it made me uncomfortable and it challenged me. And what you do when something challenges you, you don't just reject it or put it to the side. But instead, you research it, you dive deep into it, and you find out either what the scripture is saying or maybe adjust your viewpoint. And I read several commentaries on this passage of scripture, and they all had the same conclusion. And they are all saying, look at the word choice and the word order. And I don't have time to go into all of it. I'm not gonna be a professor up here, but it boils down to this. You can do your own research. It boils down to this. God has placed the concept of authority in the hands of people not the people themselves not at least not every person there are some people that god has specifically placed in authority you can see that in the bible you can see that in real life as well but not every person in authority i believe is directly placed from god and so sometimes the authority is abused that sometimes the authority is abused by um, that person And so just because God has appointed someone to have authority does not mean that they will be perfect for that position. And so, again, I don't believe that God has appointed every single individual that's in authority right now. I don't think that's the case. And if that is the case, then they are human. We live in a fallen world, and they have free will ultimately. So I don't believe God has appointed every individual person. And, again, if we look back at verse 1, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities – for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist, and I've read that if you put those, um, those positions of authority that exist, or those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So again, I believe that God has placed the concept of authority into existence, but not every single figure. So we, when we look at specific people in authority, we can't look at it as if God wanted those things to happen right? We can't look at God wanting an evil tyrant to do those things, right? We can't look at God wanted those parents to act that way. And so all authority has been, all the concepts of authority has been placed by God, and God has all the authority. And so that leads us to hard truth number two. And to do this, I recorded a video for it, so let's watch. All right, so we're talking about uh, relationships with those in authority, and we're doing some hard truths. So here is hard truth Number two, disrespecting authority, even when they have messed up, is disrespecting God. Disrespecting authority, even when they have messed up, is disrespecting God. To, to rebel against authority um, without a solid reason or just, just to rebel for, uh, because of authority's sake is really rebelling against the concept of what God has set in place as we've already talked about. And we see this picture of my good friend David from the Bible, who I talk about constantly. But David is being pursued by Saul because Saul is the king, but David is slowly taking it over because God anointed David as the next king. And Saul is obviously pretty upset by this. And so Saul is pursuing David and David gets word that Saul is inside of a cave. Um, the Bible says he's relieving himself, so take that as you may. I guess he's urinating or something. Saul is in the cave, and David gets word of it, and his men, David's men are like, David, now is the time. Go get Saul. Now is the time to do to do what you've been wanting to do, to kill Saul finally, and you can be rightfully king. So David takes his men. They go down into the cave, and um, David is there, and he has this like conviction, like, no, I cannot touch God's anointed person. God anointed Saul as king. I can't touch that. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to respect what God put into place. And so what David does is he tears off a piece of Saul's cloak. Okay. I don't know. The Bible is not clear what happened here. Um, It just says Saul is relieving himself in the cave and then David cuts off a cloak. I don't know if Saul is wearing the cloak while David's cutting it off or maybe he took it off at the entrance of the cave. I don't know, read into the lines, but either way, David is sitting there with like a square of fabric that is Saul's and David confronts Saul at some point and says, look, I spared your life because you are God's chosen king. I spared your life. Now, here's the thing. Nobody would have questioned David if David had killed Saul, right? Nobody would have questioned David. David David would have been completely justified to kill Saul and honestly, we don't even know if... God God could have even been okay if David killed Saul at that point. But David had this conviction, David had this immense respect for Saul that he wasn't going to um, assassinate him because God anointed Saul and God also appointed um, the government of a king. And so David wasn't going to touch who God anointed. And this doesn't happen just once, but it happens two times in the Bible where another time, sometime after, Saul is pursuing David again, And Saul is sleeping and David takes Saul's helmet and his water jug and shows it to Saul later on. He's like, look, I spared you again because I'm not going to touch who God appointed because I'm going to respect the thing that God has put in place over me. So the question remains, are we disrespecting the authority that has been placed over us? We've already talked to that God doesn't, I don't believe that God puts Every single specific person in places of authority, he might. I don't know. That's just my opinion, my interpretation of it. Um, but we do know that not everybody is handling that position correctly. You know, there, there are mistakes. Everybody's human. There's some small mistakes, and there's some really, really big mistakes by people in authority. And God is not saying that's okay. God's not ordaining that in any way, shape, or form. But God did put the the concept of authority in place over us, ultimately for our benefit when it's done correctly. So here's the question. What, how are we treating those in authority? How are we respecting and honoring those in authority? How are we showing God honor by honoring our authorities? You know, we may not be sparing their life, quote unquote, we may not be tearing them down in that way, but what are we doing with our words? What are we doing with our words towards them or about them towards each other? How are we, you know, Bible says there's death and life in the power of tongue. How are we honoring those in authority with our words, with our actions, with our behaviors, our attitudes, either directed towards them or towards our friends about them? You know, how are we honoring the authority that God has placed over us? And remember, they don't have to be perfect. You know, how, how silly would it be to wait till every single thing is perfect before we decide to honor and respect people, right? We need to honor and respect people, not even just because of who they are, but because of what they represent. And even if they're a bad representation of the authority God has placed over us, we are still respecting the concept that God has placed somebody over us. In 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So how are we honoring those in authority to the glory of God? What can we be doing this week to honor those to the glory of God? Because respecting authority is respecting God even if they don't deserve it. All right, respecting authority is respecting God even if they don't deserve it, even if they didn't have it coming. So hard truth number two is disrespecting authority even when they've messed up is disrespecting God. And that leads us to this, hard truth number three. It's a little bit longer. When the authority is asking you to do something that goes against God or the conscience or conviction God gave you, God goes first every time right? God goes first every time. Most likely as Christians, we're going to come across different times and seasons where we have to disobey some sort of authority figure, right? We just live in a fallen world. There's people in authority over us. Things happen. People are commanding us to do certain things. There's, some, there's times in our life where we'll have to disobey the authority that's placed over us. And if the situation is right, not only is that an acceptable thing to do, but in fact, we're obligated to disobey authority if the situation meets the right criteria. You know, in Acts chapter 5, it says, And when they, brought, when they had brought them, this it's talking about the apostles, they set him before the council, and the high priest questioned him and said, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you are, and you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But here's what Peter said. Let's look at what Peter said. He said, Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men, and there are definitely going to be times in our walk with Christ, in our walk with God, most likely that there's going to be a disobedience will be in order for us to continue walking with God in this way, and so I want us to look towards the story, or look backwards actually, towards the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So King Nebuchadnezzar it's a mouthful of a name. I believe it's available if you want to name your children. I'm, I mean, Caitlin, we're, we're having a baby. Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah? No? Okay. No, she said no. King Nebuchadnezzar, he is a Babylonian king who took all of Israel captive, right? He took Israel captive, and he took all the smartest and best-looking men out of Israel and brought them into Babylon and began to basically assimilate them into their culture and to make them like them, and so the Bible singles out four of these people in particular, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And one day, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he decides that he wants to make a massive golden statue of himself and have everyone and everywhere to worship it. You could say he's maybe just a little bit of a narcissist, right? He wants to build this giant statue and every, like all the time have everyone worship it. And of course... We have our three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who decide they're not going to worship this idol because God has, they they have their allegiance only to God, right? They're not going to worship this idol, and it's made known to the king. So we pick up the story in Daniel 3. It says, "Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace so nebuchadnezzar brought them up he brought them up into his uh, chamber or wherever he's at and he said if you don't bow down to my idol to my statue i'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace and they said we have no need to answer you in this matter our god will save us and deliver us out of your hand but if not be it known to you O king that we will serve we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up I want us all to notice how they handled the situation. You know, it's when the king set up a statue, Bible doesn't say too much, but it, to me it implies it gives off the impression that they weren't going around and yelling at everybody who was worshiping the idol. I don't think that's what they did. And even when the, they are brought up before the king, they treated the king respectfully, they politely told him what they're gonna do, but at the same time they stood by their convictions. They still respected the authority. They still addressed him as king. You know, they knew they were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace. They could have said whatever they wanted in that moment, and they could have been killed no matter what, right? But they, and they did not disrespect the king in their process, and they stood fast to their convictions strongly. But in the process, we can assume that they didn't bash anybody. We can assume that they didn't bash the king, and they still respected him even to the fiery furnace. You see, I believe it's almost just as important to treat people with respect as it is to hold fast fast to our convictions. I think our convictions are just a little bit more, but honestly, I think treating people with respect and showing them the love of God and the honor that God has for them is just as important. But honestly, that's hard, right? That's hard to show people with respect. It's so easy to ask distasteful to those who are mean and who are opposing who God is and to those who are nasty and are just mean and unfair to us but when it comes down to it we must obey God rather than men and God's saying we should respect those in authority we should respect the people that are around us when it comes down to it God comes first and so it may be hard for us to figure out what is important to disobey and what is important to obey it can be kind of tricky to figure out what, what crosses the line of disobedience and obedience. You know, I believe Paul can give us a clue in Romans 13:5. It says, Therefore, one must be in subjection to the authorities, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. You could replace that word with conviction, I believe. And if we look at it, we are, we are we're supposed to obey the authorities, excuse me, to avoid God's wrath and for the sake of our conscience and convictions. To me, this gives us a clear criteria. We obey the authorities until the situation arises where God would be more pleased with us if we disobeyed and our conscience and convictions are convicted. So we obey until it would be more pleasing for God for our life if we were to disobey in that moment. And again, I know that's, not super, hard. that's, I know that's super hard to figure out still, but just because you don't prefer an order from an authority figure, or don't prefer a command from a parent or a teacher doesn't make it, you know, unbiblical, right? You know, a, way, a reason not to obey is a mean teacher giving out homework, right? They're being nasty, they're being mean, they're being unfair, but what they're asking you to do is not unbiblical. An unfair parent asking you to do chores when you know your other sibling hasn't done chores for a week. I, I've been there before. Like, it's not, it's not the most fun thing to do. But they're not asking you to do something that's unbiblical. Your conscience and convictions aren't broken, so it's more respectful and more obedient, obviously, to obey. Um, another one is this. This one's a little bit hard, but speeding while driving, right? It's speeding while driving. That it's not unbiblical to go under the speed limit. It's just a. It's to us. We just would like to drive faster. I guess I can only speak for myself. But I would just like. To, I'd like to go ten. I'd like to go twenty over if I could, right? I know that's not safe but that's just that's just who i am but honestly that's something the authorities are asking for us to do and there's not an unbiblical reason to disobey that and that's something that we can do and so it's just it's often just as important how we do things as it is the thing itself philippians 2:14 says do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of god without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation you could look at our generation and say yeah it's a little crooked and twisted right and the bible saying we should do things without grumbling or disputing so that we can be blameless and innocent in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you you we we shine as lights in this world holding fast to the word of life so that the, in the day of christ i may be proud that i did not run and labor in vain You know, we can do this by having a good attitude. We can do this by respecting one another. We can do this by respecting the authorities and obeying, as long as it's good and obeying, even if we don't like it or disagree with it. Our duties as Christians, I wrote down a few things. Our duties as Christians is we have to have a good attitude. The attitude is almost everything. I've heard this before. Attitude is almost everything. We have to give respect to the position even if we can't respect the person. And we obey God first, conscience of conviction second, and authority third. But as long as we can check off those boxes, I believe that it's our duty to obey. That as long as it's biblical, as long as God's okay with it and it doesn't break our conscience, I think it's our duty to obey. And so showing a pure heart to those in authority is literally shining a light of Jesus to them, especially if they know you're a Christian. By, By respecting them, we are ultimately respecting jesus by honoring them we're ultimately honoring jesus even if it, they don't deserve it right because how many of you guys know christ died for us even when we didn't deserve it and by doing that we're transferring that same love and that same honor and respect that christ gave us to those in authority And obviously there are situations that we need um you know there's there's, there's certain times where we have to keep people accountable certain times where we need to step out and say something and make a bold declaration but it's important that we recognize how we're treating people and how we are talking about them as it is what we're doing and what we're saying. So here's the big takeaway tonight. If you're taking notes, write this one thing down. Big takeaway is respecting and honoring authority is not about the person, it's about God. Respecting and honoring authority is not about the person, it's about God. And I would like to ask the worship team to come up now. And we're going to just allow this to soak into us and get into our lives. Because we're never going to be without authority. It doesn't matter if you're at the top of, a, a top of the country or top of a business. If somehow you get there and you're like king of the world, there's always God above that. And we're never without authority. And so this is something, this is, these are principles that we need to take with us everywhere we go, everywhere in life. There is always an opportunity to honor the authority that God has placed over us. And I believe that's how we need to look at it, is it's not a burden, it's not, we don't begrudgingly do it, but it's an opportunity to show someone love when they weren't expecting it. And so let's all stand up right now. We're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us during this time. During this time, I just want you to think, during this last worship song, just think about how you can honor authority this week. Think about how you can respect somebody when they least deserved it, or when they least expected it. Because again, we're never going to be without authority. We're always going to have that in our life. No matter how big we get, there's always somebody above us that ha- we have the opportunity to respect and to honor. Not a big obligation, even though I do believe it's an obligation. Not We don't do it because we have to, but it's an opportunity to show somebody love and honor and respect especially when they don't deserve it. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes right now. We're just going to allow the Holy Spirit inside of us. During this time, I'd like to ask the, worship, or the, the prayer teams, they're going to come down. But Holy Spirit, just infiltrate our hearts. Get inside our minds. Show us places where we can improve. Show us where we need more of your love. Show us where we need more of your respect to those in authority. Show us where we need more of your honor to authority. I know for some of us here, this may be a challenging message to hear. But I just want to say the spirit of rebellion is not a spirit from God. The spirit of disrespect is not a spirit from God. There are times where there is an obligation and an order to stand up for what's right in the midst of everything chaotically coming to the ground. There may be a time even in your life where you'll have to stand up to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, no, I will not bow. I didn't get to finish the story, but my memory serves you correctly, I believe King Nebuchadnezzar repented and got saved in that moment after they were saved from the fiery furnace. And I highly doubt he would have done that if they had called him names to his face and disrespected him in that moment. So Holy Spirit, infiltrate our lives. Show us where we can improve. Show us where we need to change. Just thank you for everything you are. In Jesus' name, let's worship tonight.